if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few good reasons. First of all, it's free, so you really have nothing to lose. They have so many tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So you can just be lying in your bed and record your podcast and they will also distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many, many more platforms. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Happy Thursday. Happy podcast day. Um, Today, I'm joined by Dr. Mitchell. She is a board certified dermatologist who I had the pleasure with talking to for an hour about skincare, about everything skincare. I think I've asked her probably every question that was on my mind that I had doubts about and that I could not find real, trustful information online. So I really hope this episode will be useful to you, whether you are going through just some bad skin days or acne, breakouts, rashes, or you're just interested in skincare as I am and just want to hear some facts coming from a trustful source. So thank you guys so much for clicking on this episode. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions for Dr. Mitchell, uh, you can always reach out to her. And if you obviously need help with any skincare problem, I'm sure she is willing to listen to your problems as well and help you further along the way. So thank you again, guys. Uh, Please don't forget to subscribe, uh, review, all that stuff as always. Um, And here is the lovely Dr. Mitchell. Thank you, Dr. Mitchell, for joining me. I'm very excited to talk to you about skincare. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad that you um, reached out and invited me. Thank you so much. Oh, no, you're so welcome. Where am I finding you right now? I am in the Midwest. I'm in Ohio. And, um, you know, Ohio is, is actually a great place to live. I raised my four kids here, but actually I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And I lived there until I left after college and headed to Ohio for medical school. Um, And then I completed my dermatology residency in Detroit at Henry Ford Hospital. And um, the rest has been great. I have four adult children and um, I'm in private practice in Perrysburg, Ohio, which is a suburb of Toledo, where I live. And I've been in practice for about 22 years. I practice medical, cosmetic, and surgical dermatology. I see a great mixture of patients from age group. Um, You know, I see men and women. I see a great mixture or a variety in, encounter questions like um, hair loss and hyperpigmentation, skin cancer, precancers, 
full body skin uh, exams. And I even have lots of patients that come in just to ask about skincare. You know, they want to talk about their regimen. Um, they want to make sure that they're doing what's best for their skin. And I've been seeing a lot of that in the last year, which is awesome. We do a lot of virtual visits and that's one of the, the top um, reasons for scheduling an appointment. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I also think that now more than ever, a lot of people are um, taking care of their skin. It feels like every single year, so many new brands come up. Um, I feel like skincare now is such a huge part of our morning routine and evening routine. And um, But there's so much misconception about skincare in general, I feel like. So I, what I did is I asked a lot of people around me to kind of ask me the questions that they don't really find answers to online or um, especially topics like acne or clean beauty or um, fragrance are like all things that as a consumer, I don't really know what to trust. Um, you know, you can Google something and, you know, land on a page of L.com, <laughs> but obviously not everything that, that you read is correct. So I have these questions in front of me right now, and I would like to start by asking you first and foremost, uh, what kind of skin types are there? Yeah, you know, there are, um, the way that I look at it would be there are several skin types. The most common that I think people are familiar with and that I see in practice would be, um, and not in any particular order, but sensitive skin tends to be a symptom that can be combined with any of the common skin types. And um, while we don't call it a specific skin type, it can be seen in association with um, what we call combination skin, um, which means that in the T-zone, which would be the forehead and the nose, you may be oily. And then along your cheeks and around the mouth, you may feel as, as though you have dry skin. Um, you know, we also talk about oily skin where people believe that they have oily skin all over and dry skin, you know, as another skin type. I like to, to look at my patients in terms of let's get your skin to balance. Um, and so depending upon what I see, um, you know, I may see a mixture of dry and oily, which for me is, is pretty common. That's probably what I mostly see. And I talk to patients about um, not so much making your skin normal, because, you know, what is normal, but let's get it, let's get it balanced. And so when we come up with a skincare regimen, it's going to be targeted at trying to diminish oil, but hydrate the skin all at one time. And I think one of the misconceptions that my patients have that have oily skin or, you know, oiliness in that combined skin type would be that they shouldn't wear moisturizer, you know, that it's going to make the oily skin worse. And what we find is that that is, that is very untrue. People with oily skin, all skin types should be moisturizing because if you don't, what we find is that that sends a signal to the skin to produce more oil. And so my job is to recommend products that will 
balance the oil, but not leave a shine on top of the skin. I think that's where people get confused is that they may purchase a quote unquote moisturizer and they've tried it, but it just compounded the look of oiliness. And so that was a turnoff for them. And so one of the things that I love to recommend would be in that case, possibly, you know, a good hydrator, which would mean a product that could really get under the skin and balance the skin more internally than superficially or on top of the skin. And so um, it's, it's, it can be tricky for the consumer. That's why we as dermatologists always recommend it's a good idea to check in with the dermatologist just to really get um, the understanding of what your skin type is, you know, to help you understand what products would be best for your skin. And you were talking about hydration and moisturizing. Is that the same thing or are those two things that are separate? Because I'm always confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really, really good question uh, because there is a difference. You know, there is a difference. Um, I like to think of or liken um, the need for hydration with someone that has really, really dehydrated skin, you know, um, almost like if there was someone who um, hasn't been drinking enough water and they're dehydrated and almost like they need intravenous hydration to bring them back to balance. The hydrators are ones that work deeper in the skin to bring back balance, whereas the moisturizers work more superficially to bring balance. Some of my patients need to use both, right? Some of them need to apply the hydrator. And then on top of that, they could apply a moisturizer. One of my favorite hydrators is Dermal Repair Cream by Sente. It's an absolutely um, phenomenal product um, that really balances the skin in as early as two weeks. Um, I've had patients between two and four weeks come back for a check-in and it's amazing the change in their skin in terms of the hydration level. Um, a lot of my patients, like I said, I will also recommend that they add um, a moisturizer to the top of the skin. And some of the really good moisturizers over the counter come out of the CeraVe brand. Um, I love the CeraVe PM. It's a really, really good product. And La Roche-Posay also has great products as well. Do you treat black skin and white skin the same or are there any differences in that? Well, you know, I'm fortunate to um, be the owner of a practice where I see all skin, um, um, I see people with all skin colors. Um, and so I see, you know, the, the patient from skin type one through, you know, the skin type six classification, or I see, um, you know, Caucasian patients and patients of African descent um, or you could say, you know, I see patients with skin of color and, you know, my approach to all of the patients is always the same. The approach is the same in that the education is the same. Um, you know, I always talk to my patients about, um, the necessity of wearing sunscreen, regardless of what your skin color is. 
that tends to be the first point of conversation because every skin color should wear sunscreen. You know, we're all subject to sun damage, right? We're all subject to a risk of skin cancer. And, you know, um, people with skin of color may be even more prone to a more life-threatening form of skin cancer like melanoma. And so um, definitely education about sunscreen is really important. Um, products, we definitely recommend the same products regardless of skin color. Um, what we tend to look at is going to be the problem, you know, and the skin type as we just discussed. You know, is it acne with hyperpigmentation and sensitive skin on top of that? You know, do we see the characteristics of sensitive skin, meaning, um, you know, excoriations, um, very dry? Do we hear the symptoms of tightness um, coming from the patient? So all of them, my approach is going to be similar. Now, you did raise a point about as a patient wanting to see a doctor that would be sensitive to their concerns. And we all want to see doctors that are culturally competent, right? We want to see a doctor where we believe when we go in, they're going to understand my skin type, my skin concerns. And in dermatology, while you know most black patients have wanted to see black dermatologists, et cetera, et cetera, we're really pushing for people to want to see dermatologists that are culturally competent, regardless of their color. We're really pushing for programs to train um, their residents so that when they do complete their program, that they're comfortable with seeing all skin types. That's really where we're going and that's really what we want our dermatologists to do. But in the meantime, I do understand that we're working towards that. And there may be some dermatologists that just don't see as many patients with skin of color as the next dermatologist. And so maybe they just don't have um, you know, as much experience um, with seeing those patients and there's nothing wrong with that. As the, the consumer, you know, we hope that we can reach out to dermatologists that um, are comfortable with our skin type regardless of what it is. Okay, interesting. Let's talk about ingredients. Um, which ingredients do we have to look out for when we're buying skincare? For instance, let's start off with people who have dry and sensitive skin. Are there certain ingredients maybe next to fragrance? Because I know that's like a really bad one <laughs> when you're sensitive. Um, but are there any other in uh, ingredients that we have to look out for that we should not buy uh, when we have dry or sensitive skin? So yeah, you know, definitely fragrance, avoiding fragrance or looking for products that are um, fragrance free would be very important in terms of, um, you know, looking for a line that may be um, tolerated. I often recommend to my patients Aveeno. Um, they're, they're well known for creating products that are fragrance-free, but also have ingredients that can help to calm the skin, like oat, right? And so, or feverfew. And so 
I actually like in the Avena line, they've come out with a new product called Calm and Restore. And so that's a really, really, really good line for people who have sensitive skin. I also highly recommend to my patients to look for products that contain ceramides, which can really strengthen the skin barrier. Um, uh, niacinamide can also calm the skin and um, decrease redness to the skin. And some of the, the best lines over the counter that contain those ingredients would be La Roche-Posay and CeraVe. Um, they actually have their um, moisturizing um, AM and PM line, which is really nice. Um, and so I normally talk to patients first and foremost about what to look for, like you've asked, ceramides, glycerin, niacinamide, um, oat. Those are ingredients that definitely help to calm the skin, to balance the skin and to um, work against those symptoms of sensitivity, like itchiness and tightness um, that patients may often complain about. Um, I also recommend that um, you know, patients think about avoiding cleansers that may have sodium lauryl sulfate in them because what we find is that that may clog the pores in um, you know, patients that are acne prone. Um, and so, you know, shampoos are, we're really good about removing that ingredient from shampoos, but we used to see that as a big issue for patients in terms of, um, getting back acne and not really thinking that it could be coming from their shampoo. So a lot of the, the body products may contain that. And so I often recommend that we avoid that in terms of having acne prone skin. I normally recommend that patients avoid oils like coconut oil, essential oils, mineral oils that can clog the pores as oh, well. Oh, really? Oils? Because mm -hmm. I always heard that oils like olive oil and almonds and I think jojoba. I never know how to pronounce that one, but mm -hmm. jojoba oil, I think it is. That that's actually good when you have acne prone skin. So that's not true. Well, some of the oils are, you have to think about the, the molecular size, right? So you have to think about, um, can they get into the pores and, and wreak havoc or clog the pores? And so there are going to be some that are um, more prone to do that, like the coconut oil. Um, jojoba oil tends to be um, a lighter oil. Um, if I have patients that insist on using oils, I may ask them to drop it into a serum, something that would be lighter to apply. But again, you know, I don't really see a great need for it, but I do have patients that seem to be really, um, um, what's the word, you know, adamant about using the oil, or they may say it really helps to keep my skin hydrated. It's a habit and actually. To, yeah, and you know, I try to compromise with them. Um, you know, as we move forward. And what about oily skin? Is there like, are there any ingredients that people who have oily skin have to stay away from or maybe oil? <laughs> maybe that's... <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say the same thing, you know, the, okay. the oils that I've mentioned, um, definitely staying away from those. 
um, and picking products that have, um, you know, niacinamide, which, you know, can be very helpful for acne. Um, and um, really picking products that, again, can be hydrating, but more so at a deeper level in the skin, protecting the barrier so that we don't, if we don't protect the skin barrier, what we can find is that it's easy to get irritants in and irritants out. And all skin types can be subject to, to irritation and sensitivity, and we don't want that. And so again, that's another reason why it's important to add moisturizer in all skin types. You know, it's, it's something that for me is also non-negotiable, just like sunscreen. Okay. And let's talk about a bit about acne. Um, how do you know when your face is purging or when it's a breakout? Or maybe when you're just allergic to, to something you've used? Because it's, like, it's really hard to separate these things. Because when I have a breakout, let's say on my T-zone, um, and I've only been using the same products that I've always been using, and I'm like, why am I having a breakout, I didn't use any like new products, I didn't use any fragrance, or um, I didn't touch my face as much. Um, so when do you know that maybe after you've used a clay mask, for instance, because I know those do work uh, to purge uh, your skin. Um, so how can we kind of recognize the kind of breakouts that we are having? So that's like the million dollar question, right? You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, what's going on with my skin? Why am I breaking out? And I think what's important is that we be as in tune with our body as possible. And what I mean by that is we're going to be the best um, detective. We're going to be the ones that can really um, help to decipher why, why we're breaking out. Because when you come to see the dermatologist, yeah, we can see acne, but we're not going to be able to tell you exactly why. We're going to have a pretty good idea, but we're not going to know exactly why. Now, acne can be multifactorial. There are many different reasons why we can break out. It could be hormonal. It could be um, stress, right? Emotional stress can do it. It can be, um, you know, skincare genetics, which we can't control. Um, and you're right, you know, we we can we can do treatments such as mask. Um, we could have started a new product that purges the pores, brings the acne out of the pores all at once. And there is a, a look to that purging that we could say, you know, I think you're purging but that has nothing to do with really the underlying reason for why we have acne. You know, the underlying reasons that we like to get to the root of would be, you know, are there any genetic causes? Although we can't change that, but it's important to know, you know, is there a hormonal imbalance that we need to address? Um, you know, is there emotional stress? And so we really like to get to the root of the issue when we're trying to treat the acne, regardless if we're purging or if it's just an isolated pimple here or there, if we can. Yeah, and what about someone who has never had acne before in their lives and all of a sudden when they reach the age of 25 above, they start breaking out? 
I think stress is the most common cause for that imbalance. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there's an emotional stress, right? Although there could be, there could be an instance where um, it could be a good emotional stress, meaning I, I, I got this new job and I have to move across the country. Um, I don't have family there, but I'm really excited about this promotion. You know, it could be, I'm not getting enough rest. You know, it could be my diet, excuse me, is not balanced. So there can be that, that emotional versus that physiologic stress that can trigger acne. So I always explain to my patients, you know, outside of the possible genetic predisposition, when we have that, you know, that sudden occurrence of acne, usually there's something different about us, a change in diet, um, you know, maybe um, uh, a new medical diagnosis that has been stressful to the body that the body hasn't liked, um, like diabetes that's not controlled. So normally we have to, again, be the people who ask a lot of questions. We seem like we're really nosy or we're being detectives, but usually in that instance, we can we can get back to where we think the trigger was. Okay, and how do we treat hormonal acne, for instance? Can like pills help? Do we have to adjust our diets? And how do we adjust our diets? Because for instance, um, coffee is, um, some people say that it's bad for your skin and some people say that it has no effect on your skin. I don't know if you can, like, if, if you have the facts about coffee, uh, but just diet in general, like, how do we know what foods to eat and which ones to avoid, um, aside, obviously, from sugar and, like, all of the obvious stuff? So, yeah, I don't know if you can help the listeners with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, definitely asking questions about diet when we're dealing with acne is, is the norm with dermatologists. The link between diet and acne has been controversial, right? Um, but research does show that diet can play a role in acne development. And some of the foods that, you know, we educate our patients about just in general, because, you know, we're a system, we want to be healthy internally so that we're healthy externally. You know, that's the foundation of overall health and wellness. But we definitely don't recommend that people have a diet that's high in refined carbohydrates, like breads and crackers and pasta, you know, and white rice. We definitely recommend um, that, that patients limit eating a lot of refined um, carbohydrates because that basically will increase the blood levels of sugar, right? And um, even insulin levels and, you know, contribute to the development of acne. It's almost like you're increasing inflammation in the system and it wants to wreak havoc on an organ and it picks the skin and it causes acne in that particular, um, you know, situation. Um, you know, dairy is also another category that people ask about. And, um, you know, studies have found a link, but 
they, they're not real strong studies. So we do talk to people about limiting um, dairy intake because we, we have found that there may be a correlation. Um, milk may be known to increase insulin levels um, and therefore increase um, sugar levels and cause acne. And also soy um, milk, is that also part of that or, in, or not? Again, you know, more uh, cow's milk would be more of what we see in the studies um, as opposed to soy milk. And again, this is still controversial, but I explained to my patients, you know, there may be a correlation and it may be worth considering, especially um, if this is something that we can modify, you know, in our diet. We're always looking for that multifactorial solution because we know that acne can be a multifactorial problem, right? There's not just one thing that we can we can change to improve the acne. Um, eating fast food, you know, fast food um, can also increase the risk, we believe, of causing acne. But also think about it, you know, eating a lot of fast food is just not healthy. So, you know, that's something to, to consider. Chocolate, uh, a lot of patients will um, see the correlation. And I think um, I've even had patients that, um, a lot of patients actually with whey protein, um, you know, this is a, a time where we're all trying to be more and more healthy. And I have had to even get right down to, you know, the smoothies and the shakes and the supplements that are people are taking that may be contributing to their acne. Um, so, you know, often, we talk about that, but then we talk about what are, you know, the nutrients that may be helpful. Probiotics, I often recommend. Um, green tea can be beneficial. Turmeric, um, vitamin A, zinc, in terms of enhancing um, your immune system so that you can limit the inflammation that can cause acne. Wow, it's it's really difficult to kind of set up a diet that you know will work for you because you never know which foods kind of cause you to break out. Um, so it's really kind of like, um, yeah, you, you just really have to try a new diet and add something to it and take something away to really kind of find out what causes breakouts, I assume. So it's not it's it's not easy for someone who is struggling with with acne, you know, especially at a at a like more like a more adult age. I think that's such a, an inconvenience to to be dealing with that. Yeah, I do. I think especially if you're one that has never experienced acne. Um, but you know, that's why podcasts like this are great because we want to increase the awareness about acne and complexions. And we want people not to wait to see a board certified dermatologist. We work very closely with um, estheticians and we really believe that there can be a team approach to skincare and skin health. We believe that by seeing us first or early on in your concerns that you really can get um, good information to help you make an informed decision about your skincare. We can really help you to strategize more effectively so that you're not wasting money. 
Um, we work well with estheticians in terms of providing additionally treatments that may help to um, keep your skin healthy overall. So it really can be a team approach. We never believe that you should only see one and only see the other or what have you. We believe that we work together very nicely to help you reach your goals. And what do you think about the DIY treatments online? For instance, um, it's known that yogurt and honey and avocado and that those are good for your skin. But you have a lot of people who kind of um, make their own masks with, let's say, avocado and honey and citrus and they mix it up and they put it on their face. Is that an okay thing to do to just use I, foods like that? Yeah. I say beware. I say um, be very careful. I have had um, patients come in that have really taken the pH of their skin down and caused a lot of dryness and irritation by using lemon juice and honey um, or making the skin more acidic, which would lead to more dryness and peeling of the skin. And so I definitely do not recommend that you just start doing that, um, you know, without the knowledge to understand to understand the pH of the skin, pH balance, um, and putting those ingredients together. So it can be very tricky. Um, I don't like the thought of anyone thinking that I can just mix something together and take care of my own skin. It's too good to be true. <laughs> that can be dangerous. Yeah, no, that's also what I thought. So do you have like um, a skincare routine that you would like to share with the people listening? Um, how do you start your day, uh, like product to product? And how do you end your day? Because there is a lot of confusion about vitamin C, for instance. Uh, should I apply it in the morning or the evening or even washing your face? A, lo a lot of people say, I never wash my face in the morning. I just let all the oils kind of soak <laughs> and I only wash my face once a day. And like there are so many kind of rules that are so unclear. So do you have like a, a, a routine that you know that will um, that works for most people, whether you have oily skin or sensitive skin? Yeah, I think... Um, you know, I would love to, to drop some tips about skincare and, you know, I'll keep it very broad because I know that there are a lot of listeners and there's so many products out there. I think that the overall big picture is much more important than specifically, you know, what I may use. I, I tend to use a mixture of over-the-counter and medical grade and prescription products. And I think depending upon the condition of your skin, you may not be able to do that, right? I think that um, a lot of patients benefit from starting with over-the-counter products, especially if they can't get in to see the dermatologist right away. And then um, tweaking that line once you see the professional, the dermatologist or the esthetician. So, you know, when I started with skincare, um, again, what I found to be most important is sunscreen. Um, sunscreen is non-negotiable. And now we know more than ever that we need to wear it all day, every day. And also in the winter. Yeah, we always knew 
it, but I think it was more challenging for people to understand why. But now we know we have evidence that states that artificial light sources can um, hyperpigment the skin, especially in people who already have dark patches on their face or a condition called melasma. Um, it can also attribute to aging of the skin, artificial light sources such as the computer, your cell phone, your iPad, um, you know, the artificial lights from the ceiling in our rooms, especially with many of us working from home. And so a lot of people thought that, you know, when we went into the pandemic, we didn't really need to do it anymore, but that is false. We need to protect our skin from artificial light sources in our homes, in our hands, just as we do from the sun. And so some of my, you know, favorite would be La Roche-Posay. Um, they have really, really great um, sunscreens. And if I could back up, there are two forms of sunscreen, mineral and, um, and um, chemical sunscreen. I recommend the mineral sunscreens that have iron oxide in them, which is the tint that helps to protect against visible light or blue light which comes from these technology devices. And so um, when you're looking for a sunscreen, I highly recommend the mineral sunscreens. And you know, most people um, are more comfortable with non-chemical sunscreens and most people are not going to break out or have sensitivity reactions to the mineral sunscreens. So some of my favorites really quick would be Aveeno. Um, they make the ultra calming. I really like their ultra calming sunscreen. It has an SPF 30. Um, it's 100% mineral. And another brand is La Roche-Posay. Um, it's a really, really good brand. Um, in the interest of time, I'll just leave it there. I do also love other sunscreens such as Isdin, I-S-D-I-N. Um, Goop, Super Goop has a really, really good sunscreen, cosmetically elegant. Um, and so those are going to be great ones. Um, the other thing that's really important, I think, and second for me is vitamin A or a retinol or retin-A. And that's an ingredient that we like to find in products that we use at night. Um, again, you know, I'm a really big fan of CeraVe. Um, they have um, a good retinol that can be used at night. Um, the other company that um, has a good vitamin, uh, retinol, excuse me, would be La Roche-Posay. They also, they have a retinol that has niacinamide or vitamin B3. And what I find is that that is a good, good, good option for people who have sensitive skin. For people who say, I have tried Retin-A and I can't tolerate it, or I've tried retinol and I can't tolerate it. The blend makes this, makes this product very tolerable. So vitamin A at night, I, of course, I use a prescription strength product called Acleaf, which is really nice, but I also use Retin-A at night, but my skin is conditioned. I've been doing this for quite some time. Vitamin C during the day, that was one of your questions. I highly recommend, it's a free radical scavenger. So. It does an excellent job in um, scavenging like pollution, right? You know, the toxins that are in the environment. 
and helping to prevent damage to the DNA and the skin. So vitamin C during the day is absolutely a must. So, so far we're saying sunscreen, vitamin A at night and vitamin C during the day. Of course, the foundation of healthy skin is to clean it morning and night, not go to bed with makeup on, um, to make sure that we're changing the pillowcases at least once a week. Because think about this, just think about that one night that you skipped cleaning your face and you laid on your pillowcase, you know, and the next night you did clean your face, but you laid on that pillowcase that the previous night you laid on with makeup on. Um, that's not good. So we definitely recommend um, right down to making sure that you're cleaning your pillowcases um, every day. Um, and then last step would be moisturizer or hydrator, depending upon how dry your skin is. Um, again, I love, love, love to recommend to my patients um, CeraVe PM. Um, it has ceramides, niacinamide, which I know this is something I keep saying, but these ingredients are multitasking ingredients. They are absolutely the best. Um, another ingredient that I recommend for hydration that um, my patients look for would be hyaluronic acid. And hyaluronic acid holds a thousand times its weight in water. And what that means is that when you apply that to the skin, it is like a sponge that draws water into the skin. So La Roche-Posay has their, um, their hyaluronic B5 which is absolutely amazing. It goes into the skin really well um, and it helps to hydrate the skin. Some patients that have really dry skin will need to still add um, a cream base like CeraVe PM to their regimen, but definitely that's an active ingredient that I include every day um, on my skin would be hyaluronic acid. So that's basically an overview of what I think um, skin wellness should include. And what about masking? And that's the last thing I'm going to ask you because <laughs> otherwise we can keep on <laughs> talking about skincare. <laughs> yeah, skincare is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by, by skin and skincare in general. I think it's like the more I learn, the more I'm shocked by so many products that I've used and the ingredients in it that are so bad and um, and you also discover obviously new brands so I think skincare is so so fascinating so this interview is such a delight <laughs> I'm like oh, listening I'm so entirely <laughs> what about masks uh, do we have to use a, cl a clay mask for instance to um, to clean our faces to kind of uh, purge I think is the word, right? <laughs> to yeah, you know, clay masks, there's so many masks on the market. And I think that before we enter into masking, we have to really understand what our objective is in using the mask. Um, a very common objective is to hydrate the skin. That's probably one of the most common reasons why I recommend a mask to my patients is to, to provide hydration into the skin. Um, clay masks, clay masks definitely are an option and you're right. You know, they draw impurities out of the skin. And so for patients who have deeper acne, I find them to be very, very helpful. 
because I find that if I don't give patients something to do, some of them will actually pick at their skin and try to get those plugs out themselves. And that can be very, very, very bad for the skin because what we find is that you may permanently push that plug deeper into the skin when you try to squeeze it out. You may get a little bit out of that pore, but you may get a, a lot more that goes deeper into the pore. And so I definitely recommend um, using those masks. And it may take several applications before you actually see those plugs come more superficial. And the hope is that they'll come out in the cleansing process pretty naturally. So clay masks, you're right, they're going to be a second option or another option depending upon um, the skin type. And I love clay masks when we also have acne with oily skin because they can also reduce the amount of oil on the skin surface. Okay. And do you have any favorite masks that you would like to share with us? Um, you know, for me, I would probably say um, my favorites would be in the, um, I would say, I believe CeraVe may have a couple of masks um, that you can look at over the counter, but most of the recommendations I make are prescription. Um, and so I like Zio um, Skin Health and I like Aven, A-V-E-N-E. -E. Um, they have great masks for hydration. Um, those tend to be, again, my number one reason for suggesting a mask treatment would be to, moist to hydrate the skin, to bring um, moisture back into the skin. Okay, so actually, We need two kind of masks. We need a clay mask to kind of clean our faces. And then we need a hydrating mask or... Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, a, a good brand um, would be like Farmhouse Fresh. They have a lot of masks that I have recommended to patients. And so within that brand, you can absolutely find um, masks to help with hydration, masks to help with um, acne as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Farmhouse Fresh. And then Fresh is another company, a second company that has great masks over the counter as well. I love Fresh. They're kind of pricey, but, <laughs> but they're so good. Yes, yes, they have great masks as well. But, yeah, And we have, have to remember amazing. that, you know, masks can either be a sheet mask, they can be um, a cream that's in a jar that you apply. Um, and leave on as a mask. So there's a lot of different um, formulations. You know, there also are ways to exfoliate. You know, you could purchase chemical exfoliators, right? Which would be liquids that you apply to the skin mm -hmm. daily that help to draw the impurities out of the skin as well. I mean, we could go on and on and on about skincare. I think that what's really important again is to follow the steps of healthy skincare, to clean, right? To exfoliate, to hydrate, and to moisturize. I think that those are the steps um, that we should follow. And the moisturizer can contain sunscreen. When we're out recreationally, you know, we may put on a different product that is just a sunscreen. A lot of sunscreens are so cosmetically elegant that most people 
are just going straight into sunscreen, you know, right after using a good moisturizer. So I think um, working through all of those steps will help to condition your skin and make it really healthy. Okay. Perfect. Dr. Mitchell, thank you so, so much for everything you shared. I can literally like sit here and listen to you talk about skincare for for hours. No kidding. Um, thank you so much. Um, I think everyone who's listening and who is struggling with acne or, you know, with any type of problems, um, they absolutely have learned a thing or two. Um, but if people want to reach out to you, can they? Uh, absolutely. Um, the best way to reach out to me is through my Instagram handle, Dr. Hope Mitchell. Um, once you are on my page, you can hit the link in the bio and um, everything that you need is there. Um, you can reach out to me to collaborate. You can email me through um, my Instagram site and I'm very responsive there. And so that would be the, the best way to reach me, at least to start a conversation. I have um, a medical practice in Ohio. It's Mitchell Dermatology. And um, I definitely see patients there. And I do see patients virtually. So um, I'm very responsive, like I said, to Instagram. And then we can go from there. There you go. Perfect. Thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. So that was it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please take a minute to subscribe if you haven't already and review one of the episodes. Thank you so much for joining me and see you next week for a new episode.